Psalm 33 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Well, welcome to the American Family Radio Network, The Awakening. Alex McFarland here, so honored that you're listening. We have got a great show. Uh, There's so much in the news that uh, we need to talk about and to help us process some of the um, headlines of the day. We're very fortunate. We have Frank Gaffney on. He is the uh, founder and president of the Center for Security Policy. Just, in my opinion, a brilliant analyst and a voice for our wonderful constitutional republic and graciously, on short notice, uh, also has agreed to be with us. So for the next uh, hour on the American Family Radio Network, what an honor to converse with Frank Gaffney. Welcome, my friend. It's great to be with you, Alex. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you stepping in for another man I admire greatly, E.W. Jackson. So it's great to be oh, with both of always. you in a sense. Yes. Uh, well, I'm glad that you and uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson know each other. He is he is brilliant. You know, um, uh, we've had him in a dozen conferences around America, and uh, he he's one person that whenever he gives a speech, he has to pause for the ovations uh, like every five minutes, but uh, yeah, let me ask you this. Remarkable orator, among other things. Well, he really is a remarkable orator, and uh, you yourself uh, are a, a man of great communication as well. Um, give people an update on all that you do with um, the Center for Security Policy, and then I, there's so many headlines I want to get your take on, but um, for those that may be unaware, tell people what you do and then uh, your website, please. Well, thank you. I uh, am privileged to be the uh, executive chairman these days of an organization that I founded and and ran for most of the past 35 years. Uh, It is now in far more capable hands uh, under the leadership of Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller, my colleague and friend who uh, is now its president and CEO. Um, We work on national security policy, broadly defined. Um, We believe that, succinctly put, our mission is to promote uh, my old boss, Ronald Reagan's philosophy of peace through strength. And Mm -hmm. in the world that we'll be talking about in the course of this hour, um, I think it'll become apparent how urgently needed is a return to the one uh, national security strategy that has really proven to be successful over, well, I think the course of human history. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, Reagan, I, I I was in college when Reagan was president, and in a way, do, do you ever feel like things just over the last really 40 years have been moving so quickly? Um, and I remember all of my college professors just castigated Ronald Reagan. They hated Reagan. And I wasn't even a Christian yet, Frank, and I wasn't all that dialed into um, spiritual and cultural issues. And yet, even before I was born again, um, I, I sensed that my professors had an agenda. I just sensed their, their vitriol about Reagan, Jesse Helms, the Republican Party, traditional values, family, the vitriol against anything traditional and patriotic betrayed them. And uh, doesn't it seem like really there's just been this unrelenting threat against all things America for, for I don't know, three, four decades now? 
There has indeed. Uh, it's actually longer than that, really. Um, that's a period during which it became, you know, um, impossible to ignore. But uh, going back to the 1930s, um, we had this phenomenon of people in the educational system, uh, specifically at Columbia Teachers College, Columbia University, uh, known as the Frankfurt School, a bunch of Germans who had brought their Marxist uh, proclivities with them and began what uh, came to be called their march through the institutions to essentially inject, starting with uh, the academy, mm -hmm. uh, their nostrums That was Gramsci, of, right? Uh, well, Gramsci, Gramsci was was one of them. Yeah, there were a bunch, but uh, he was the one who specifically spoke about this idea that it was going to be a cultural Marxist campaign that would systematically take down institution after institution of our country, starting with, uh, as I say, the academy. And uh, you know, the thing that is uh, so worrying is what you were treated to. Uh, back in the 1980s um, is probably pretty tame stuff compared to the full-on aggressive, radical indoctrination that kids in public schools and, and universities and other, you know, institutions of higher learning uh, are now subjected to. And, and uh, the cumulative effect of it, Alex, I mean, you were one who obviously um, escaped with uh, your wits about you and common sense, and and grew into you know quite a formidable proponent for America. But uh, for every one of you who has done so, there are probably thousands who have drunk the Kool Aid, been induced to believe what uh, they've been taught, and consequently, it, it, we're we're at a very perilous place in this country's mm -hmm. history, uh, not only those dangers that you alluded to at the outset internationally, and they abound, but also truly enemies within that are now enabling and advancing the cause of our enemies to take down this country. And, and you know what's so ironic, uh, Frank, is that there are a lot of people, um, I've, I've literally talked with thousands over the last you know couple of decades plus, there are a lot of people that think big government, social programs, wealth redistribution is compassionate. Uh, there are a lot of people that think an open border is compassionate. There are a lot of people that think um, opposing the state of Israel and advocating for jihadists is compassionate because they, they assume that, you know, in 1948 the Jewish people were just squatters in the Holy Land. Uh, they, they assume these pillars of liberalism, and, and the outcome is the inverse of what they anticipated. The world, the world today is less safe. People are uh, less well-off. Um, you know, e even like with you know, uh, the incandescent light bulb ban of yesterday, uh, I was just reading how other forms of light bulb have a worse carbon footprint, are more toxic, cost more. I mean, um, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to throw it to you. Um, you've heard of the climate guru Paul Ehrlich, I'm sure, the founder of Earth Day 50 years ago, right? Yes. So I was reading an analysis of all the, the Save the Climate initiatives, 
uh, it, this was in the Atlantic earlier this year, and they said, uh, Paul Ehrlich and all of his acolytes, not only have they been wrong for 50 years, they've been spectacularly wrong. And I would say the same indictment could be made about liberalism. Uh, and yet, Joe Watercooler, they might be well-intentioned, but the results are tragic. They're, they're, they're not promoting compassion or the betterment of the human condition. They're basically dismantling America, and the world is being harmed in the process. Yeah. Well, you're so right. And look, the the, the two are not unrelated. Uh, the climate change agenda is just one of the lines of attack that these uh, uh, Marxists have been using for that purpose, taking down the United States of America. Well, uh, give your website. And then when we come back, we've got a brief break. But when we come back, I, I want to talk about China. I know there's this nomination of uh, of uh, uh, QT Brown uh, for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I want to CQ, CQ, I'm sorry. Brown. Yes, sir. CQ Brown, General Charles Q. Brown. So uh, what's your website, Frank? Um, we have several. Uh, securefreedom.org is that of the Center for Security Policy. I'd also commend to you presentdangerchina.org. Presentdangerchina.org and securefreedom.org, right? Yes, sir. Very privileged, folks, to be able to have an audience with Frank Gaffney, just one of the most brilliant thinkers of our time, in my opinion. Stay tuned. The Awakening on the American Family Radio Network is back after this brief break. Alex McFarland saying, don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, you could say that William Shatner is the most famous astronaut in the world. Until recently, he was not a real astronaut, but he is best known for playing Captain Kirk in Star Trek's TV series and movies. Last year, he did go into space, and it had such an impact that he started crying and now has written about it in his memoir, Boldly Go. You know, at age 90, he had a life-changing experience by going into space. He thought it would be a fulfilling experience to see planet Earth from a different vantage point. Others told him that they were struck by the apparent fragility of this suspended blue marble. He also experienced the strongest feeling, dominating everything else by far, was the deepest grief I have ever experienced. When he looked away from Earth towards the rest of the universe, he didn't feel attraction. Instead, he realized that we are a tiny oasis of life surrounded by an immensity of death. There's a name for that experience. Space philosopher Frank White called it the overview effect, which is the title of his book by the same name. It comes from the emotional shift in a person's awareness when they see Earth from space. You gain a greater understanding of the preciousness of Earth. So I think we can draw two conclusions. First is environmental stewardship, which was Shatner's conclusion that he wanted to protect Earth for his grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We need to do all we can to prevent the destruction of this planet. But a second conclusion is intelligent design. Earth is not an insignificant speck in the galaxy. Earth is our home. It was created by God for us, and we can now measure all the fine-tuned parameters that show God's fingerprints. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Socialism, go to viewpoints.info/socialism. That's viewpoints.info/socialism. 
Sometimes you see a win, a glimpse of God in this broken world. Preborn rejoices in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Preborn's mission is to love and help women in unplanned pregnancies by offering them the truth to help them make the right choice by providing free ultrasounds. You see, when an expectant mom hears her baby's heartbeat and sees the image of her baby on ultrasound, she's seeing a life created in God's image, and it's a divine connection. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry, and it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. To learn more about Preborn's life-saving work, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com, or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. God bless Frank Gaffney. He's our guest on the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland sitting in for Bishop E.W. Jackson here on The Awakening. Uh, Frank, thanks for making time for us. And I, I want to get right to it. Uh, big news. Uh, the nomination of General Charles Q. Brown, Jr. Um, for chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Um, this is of concern. Uh, why? Why is this of concern? For the reasons we've just been discussing, Alex, I believe that General C.Q. Brown has, during his time particularly as Chief of Staff of the Air Force, his current role, demonstrated an affinity for, well, worse than that, a commitment to mm -hmm. the whole cultural Marxist agenda inside America's armed forces. And we see this manifested in a lot of different ways. I, I'm sure in the course of your ministry, you've addressed many of them, uh, the, the idea of critical race theory, yeah. that whites are inherently you know, uh, racist and supremacist and, uh, and oppressing people of color, uh, that mm. people of color, particularly blacks, are inherently victims and cannot you know, uh, overcome such uh, difficulties that, um, you know, we need quotas to assure that people uh, are given, as General Brown likes to say, opportunities, um, not earn them by virtue of merit and performance, particularly in combat. Uh, in other words, transforming fundamentally the military from the, the most, I think, successful example of a meritocracy mm -hmm. in the country and one that has proven to be critical to its success militarily. Um, he's also big on the transform, uh, the uh, transgender, I should say, uh, agenda, accommodating people. He was asked in his nomination hearing in the Senate Armed Services Committee by Senator Michael Rounds um, about a young constituent of his in uh, South Dakota, a, a female in the National Guard, who uh, was, frankly, uh, very uh, frightened, I think, of having fully intact males sharing her bunk space and showers mm -hmm. on the grounds that they identified as female. And the general simply said, well, we just want to manage the, uh, uh, the comfort level of people 
in those circumstances. Well, this is this is crazy, as is so much of this agenda. It's about dividing and uh, causing unrest within an organization that has to have unit cohesion. It has to have confidence in the skill and and the orders of commanders. It has to be rooted in performance, not uh, not arbitrary quotas and the like. Sure. And yet all of these things are, I think, uh, anathema to this particular general and the idea that a man who, by the way, has contributed during his time as chief of staff of the Air Force to its freefall in terms of its readiness and strength. Uh, according to our friends at the Heritage Foundation, it has gone from what was considered to be a uh, marginal ranking in terms of strength when he first, uh, in his first year in office, to a weak one in his second year in office and to a very weak one in his third and present year in office. This should be a disqualifier, it would seem to sure. me to promotion, to become the top military officer in the United States, even if all that other stuff, the, the critical race theory, the cultural Marxism were to factor as well. But he is a woke general and you cannot vote. And I would just say this to every senator for him. When you come back from this six week recess you're on right now, without also voting for those policies, and I think right. we must stop the uh, woke, as they call it, transformation, cultural Marxist transformation of the United States military, especially because, as you and I have talked about elsewhere, and I hope we'll talk about in the course of this program, I think the Chinese Communist Party is taking stock of all of this. Oh. And, you know, the commander in chief, uh, Joe Biden and other considerations to believe that this may be an opportunity to act militarily against not just Taiwan, but against us as well. We cannot have a military that is any less than as, well, going back to my thought about peace through strength, formidable, credible, and, uh, as well as a successful military, if God forbid, we have to use it uh, to defeat mm -hmm. this enemy. Yeah, you know, Frank, um, I, I wish we had a long, long time to really kind of lay the, the backstory. But I, I remember during, I guess it was the first Clinton administration when, um, you know, the, the ban on gays in the military, uh, I mean, the Clinton administration fought to get that lifted and um, really using the military uh, for social experimentation and cultural change rather than exclusively for national defense and world peace. Uh, that is it fair to say that the Democrats initiated this in the Clinton years, or did it even predate that? Well, I think during the Carter administration, um, there was a general attitude that um, we could cut the funding for the military um, without adverse consequences. But I think the whole idea of uh, of using the military as a social experiment vehicle for what you wanted to do to the larger society um, began in earnest, I think it's fair to say, in the Clinton administration, but it became a fixation during uh, the first of what I call the three Obama-Biden terms. Uh, I think we're in the third of those now, but uh, during right. 
one and two, uh, it was uh, it was palpable that officers like CQ Brown were being promoted. Um, I think, frankly, not on the basis of merit. He was a, a accomplished combat pilot early in his career, but I think it had a lot to do with um, him embracing this agenda. And uh, now he's got the gig to become the next uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So it obviously worked for him, but it's do you not think so he'll be for confirmed? the military. Well, as of right now, absolutely. Um, what we're trying to do, we've created a new informal coalition we call uh, Save America's Military. And people can see a little bit about it at saveamericasmilitary.org. It will drive you to um, another page called rejectgeneralbrown.org. Uh, okay. And once there, you can send a message to your senators asking them not to vote for this general officer. And I hope that people will take advantage of that opportunity to do so. G give that website again, please. SaveAmericasMilitary.org is uh, a sort of umbrella. And the specific action steps that can be easily taken are at RejectGeneralBrown.org. You know, you mentioned uh, basically affirmative action in appointments throughout our government and throughout our military. And, of course, you know, the uh, the recent Supreme Court decision essentially banning racial quotas in college admissions. I mean, I had, um, you know, liberals email me just castigating us for our stand on, you know, people getting into college based on their merit and their GPA. And um, but um this idea, there's a philosophy behind, um, you know, quotas, affirmative action, and and it, again, the uh, intent versus outcome. Affirmative action is racist. Um, critical race theory, the idea that Caucasians have this genetic animus against people of other ethnicities, that in itself is racist. I mean, we're living in a time of great philosophical contradiction, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if it's contradiction so much as it is, uh, well, subversion. I think things we know to be true, things that we have held dear, things that are values, uh, notably for the military, but historically, I think, for the country as a whole. And, and, and what we became particularly with the help of the civil rights movement, people like uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, which is, it's not going to be the color of your skin that matters. It's but the content the quality of, your of the, your character. Exactly right. And this whole movement is designed to reverse that and substitute in its stead a, a kind of Jim Crow, uh, frankly, you know, reverse, of course, but still... And, and Carol Swain, uh, Dr. Carol Swain, one of the most uh, eminent and, and impressive, um, as it happens, black thought leaders, but I think of any color uh, in our country today, said, you know, the problem with this is fundamentally you need to believe that people earn advantage, positions, promotion, what have you, by virtue of hard work by virtue of, uh, you know, competing successfully for them and competency. Yes. And, and in the case of the military, courage as well. They're usually under fire. And if you have reason to believe that they've gotten it on some other basis, that some preference has been given to them or some special treatment uh, is afforded them, 
it's completely corrosive. And especially, as I just have to say, Alex, and I, I know you understand this, and I hope your listeners do as well, EW certainly does. You have to have in the military the confidence in your comrades and arms. And those kinds of contemplations are not Uh, Folks, we've got a a brief break. Uh, We'll continue our conversation with Frank Gaffney uh, in just a moment. uh, And securefreedom.org is uh, one of his many websites. He is uh, a great patriot doing God's work to help try to restore our country. I encourage you to visit securefreedom.org. We're going to continue our conversation. I've got some questions for Frank Gaffney about China and just the threat of not only growing communism, but what about military action? Might China initiate some sort of military strike against the United States of America? We'll talk about that after this. Stay tuned. It's my turn. Here is your host for my turn, Don Wildman. Who knows how much is at stake in the decisions we make every day? We decide to do something which seems so small, and it ends up shaping our whole life. I chose one day to become a Christian. I never realized when I made that choice how far-reaching the effects would be. It didn't seem to be such an earth-shaking choice at the time. I just looked at the options available as a way of life, and the Christian faith made more practical sense than any of the others. I'm old enough now to know that that decision was the wisest choice I ever made. Because of my Christian faith, I've been able to fit together the pieces of life's puzzle. I was in a big city recently, and while there, I watched the people who walked the streets. There were three young people who were cursing loud and clear, threatening to kill another person they knew if such and such a thing happened. I walked past the bars, and they were crowded. The music was loud, and the booze was flowing. Supposedly, the people who were there, they were there to have a good time. But you know something? That sure looked like a miserable way to have a good time. I spoke to a few people I met on the street. A few spoke back. Most ignored me. Some looked at me as if I was rather crazy for offering a smile. Every person is what he is because of the decisions he has made. Of course, each of us is influenced tremendously by others in the decisions we make. But in the final analysis, we do our own deciding. As I said before, we hardly ever realize the range of effects that our decisions will have on our life. We choose this or that. We go one way or another. And when we do, it brings us a certain kind of life. It is wise as we travel along this road of life for each of us to have a destination picked out where we wish to go. Then each immediate decision which we are called upon to make can be made in light of the destination for which we're traveling. Unless we do this, our immediate decisions can be totally unrelated and we'll not have any idea where we'll end up until we are already there. Each of us will have to go on making decisions, for this is a part of life. This process, decision-making process, it's a part of life. And after we make our decisions, then our decisions make us. 
Like I said, no one ever knows how far-reaching the effects of a decision will be. I made a decision one day to follow the way. It has affected my life more than any other decision I have ever made. And the longer I live, the happier I am that I did. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. CenterForSecurityPolicy.org. I urge you to visit that website. I mean, if you're a person that wants to know accurate news and truth and things that you as an American need to really be informed about, Center for Security Policy, spelled just like it sounds, .org. The leader of this and some of the other things, SecureFreedom.org, Frank Gaffney, uh, just uh, my friend, I know you hear this, and this is not flattery, not puffery, or anything like that, but I'm so grateful for you, Frank. I really, really am, and every time we talk, I, I learn so many things. Um, hey, I, I got to share something. Um, we lead, one of the things that I do, I organize middle school and high schoolers into clubs called Viral Truth Clubs, and of course we talk about biblical worldview, but I tell people that we're trying to woke Proof America's kids. And uh, I don't have the audio clip, but Frank, imagine this all over America. Right now, we've got about 50 chapters organized of these viral truth clubs. We have kids say the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we have kids say in unison, We are the generation who will restore America. And the thing is, kids love it. They're getting enthused. But, I mean, wouldn't that just about make liberals' heads pop off to know that adult conservative Christians are organizing teenagers, middle school, high schoolers, and these kids are eagerly saying the pledge to the flag and saying, we're the generation that will restore America. Um, I've got to smile because I know the, the liberals probably hate that, you know? Well, what they're doing now, and again, I, I make a distinction between, you know, sort of your traditional liberal. Um, I, I worked for one of the greatest of them, uh, Senator Henry Scoop Jackson, a long sure, time ago. Sure. Um, on the one hand, and on the other, these Marxists. Uh, and the way the Marxists would respond is not by having their heads pop off, as you put it, but declaring you... A domestic terrorist, of course, or yeah. a, an extremist that has to be, uh, you know, pursued by our various uh, institutions of state security. I mean, it's it, this is really where it's gotten to, and and it makes all the more important the work you're about. You've you've been very generous in your compliments to me. Let me just put it back to you, Alex. We have a mutual admiration society because uh -huh. I think very highly of your ministry and and what you're doing in teaching and and um, otherwise equipping your congregants to understand the nature of the world we're in and what has to be done by us because in the end it does fall to us as well as our creator um, with his grace to uh, mm. to save our country but that's that's what's at stake at the moment I think Exactly. And, you know, even as I said the word liberal, I realize the use of that label is not exactly accurate in anymore because, um, you know, like you say, the, the Marxist. And, and folks, you've got to believe it. Um, my, my travels have been much more in 
academics than in government. Uh, but Frank, I know, having spoken or debated at 200 American universities, uh, these people are the most zealous uh, proselytizers for communism that are in the classrooms of American universities. I mean, it's just, it, it really feels like some sort of surreal movie script that I'm in. But mm. liberal, uh, I mean, I wish they were liberal, uh, like in the same mold as maybe a JFK or even like a, a Bobby Kennedy. But no, they're they're 100 miles beyond what we think of as liberal, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, some still would have the coloration of a liberal um, for the uninitiated, but you don't have to um, scratch too hard that surface to realize that uh, these are people who have really gotten um, a totally different agenda. It's not just, you know, social justice and those sorts of things. It is, uh, well, as Barack Obama famously put it, on the eve of his first presidential election, the quote, fundamental transformation of the United States of America, unquote. And by that, they mean, you know, dispensing with um, free market capitalism. They mean, uh, you know, uh, imposing on all of us these, uh, these various racist um, dogmas and, uh, you know, various preferences for people who embrace their program and various punishments for people who don't. And you put it all together, Alex, and it, it, uh, it, it's nothing short of the takedown of America that they're about. And uh, those old-fashioned liberals like Scoop, like John F. Kennedy and Robert, mm -hmm. maybe, um, you know, we're not there, that's for sure. Uh, they love this country. Uh, they've had some different ideas about certain social policies mostly, uh, but domestic ones. But by and large, by the way, I mean, I learned most of what I know about peace through strength before Ronald Reagan turned up because mm -hmm. um, uh, Scoop was one of those who practiced it, uh, you know, vociferously in the United States Senate. Um, but the, here's the point for this audience, I think, that's, you know, perhaps the greatest relevance. Most of this is so big, so overwhelmingly horrible that we're reduced to feeling that we can't do anything about it. And the reason that I was really grateful for having a chance to talk with you a moment ago about this General C.Q. Brown and his nomination is this is an opportunity to do something about this larger agenda. And specifically by that, I mean to try to prevent um, the, the not just the confirmation of General Brown, but inevitably the affirmation of the policies that he embraces. Because if those are further imposed on the military, uh, you can be sure um, it's not going to be up to the job of defending our nation. In fact, what it may be, though, is uh, yet another institution uh, weaponized, like the Justice Department, like the FBI, like I think the intelligence community, against American patriots um, mm -hmm. on the grounds that somehow they are a threat to our country when, in fact, I think they're essential to its survival. So this is the point. If people could do one thing, 
and it'll just take literally a second and click of a mouse. Go to rejectgeneralbrown.org and tell your senators through the Align Act campaign there that you want them to vote against this general officer too, please. Um, to to what degree do elected officials respond? Uh, do do you know how how successful that's being at this point? Well, I think uh, it's early days. Honestly, we're trying right. with this uh, Save America's Military campaign to use these next six weeks when senators are home uh, with their constituents, many of them, uh, uh, to impress upon them that when they come back to Washington in mid-September, they will almost certainly hold a vote on this confirmation. And right. I think that it's a distinct possibility that we could, if they hear from enough of us, um, change the current picture and hold this general officer accountable and spare the military the damage that I think he would inevitably inflict upon it were mm -hmm. he to be confirmed. Well, speaking of, of that, um, uh, General Brown contributed to the weakening of the Air Force. So let's talk a little bit about military readiness. Um, I, I know I was reading earlier, Frank, about uh, recruitment numbers are just abysmal these days for uh, the military. But what about if, if China, God forbid, but if China decided to, uh, you know, take military action against America— what is our state of readiness? And in your opinion, what would the state of readiness be under uh, General Brown if he did become, you know, leader of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Yeah. Well, Alex, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's not so much my opinion that matters. Um, arguably, it's not even the Heritage Foundation's opinion, which I respect in the case they've uh, done this incredible um, study of military strength. Uh, each year now, I guess they're in their ninth year uh, of these reports. Uh, and their findings, uh, particularly with respect to the Air Force, are, are appalling. It's whether the Chinese Communist Party thinks that we're ready uh, that may determine whether they decide to go to war with us as well as China. Mm -hmm. We need to ask our deterrence is more peace through strength still up. We need to have proper general leadership to do that. Sure. Hey, we've got a break. Uh, if you could, Frank, please stay with us. Folks, what a rare opportunity, what a privilege to be speaking with Frank Gaffney, the Center for Security Policy. This is the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland here, uh, grateful to be sitting in. So stay tuned, folks. We're going to come back more about our beloved America, because look, it's our future, your future, that hangs in the balance. We must stand bold for truth. Uh, we'll be back with more with Frank Gaffney after this. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Can we trust the Bible? 
He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. thegodwhospeaks.org. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I had numerous credit cards, and I was struggling with paying them off. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813 to talk to a certified counselor. I had heard about Trinity, so I made the call. They took care of all of my credit cards, and now I am completely debt-free. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage money monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. The people at Trinity are very friendly. They will do whatever you need them to do in order for you to feel better about being in a very difficult place. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. My name is Anne, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-788-1813. They say, you've done a good job, thank you, we love you, but you can't replace our dad. And I go, you're right, I can't, but I can love you. On this Focus on the Family Minute, Gil Stewart reflects on the vital role of a stepfather as he reflects on the man who raised Jesus. And so I think in the terms of the position that Joseph was in, I mean, here it was, you know, your son happens to be, you know, the omnipotent son of God, don't screw up, <laughs> but you know, love this young man because he needs you to nurture him. And as stepfathers, that's typically what I love to do when, when we're doing our seminars is to call out the stepdads to say, God's providentially put you in a place that that young man, that young woman that's raised up in your family, you have the opportunity to change the legacy. A stepfather has influence and can change the entire tone of a family. Hear more from Gil and Brenda Stewart today at FamilyMinute.org. Welcome back to the American Family Radio Network. We're speaking with Frank Gaffney of the Center for Security Policy. Before the break, Frank, we were talking about military readiness and uh, China and uh, Look, there, there are so many things that we could talk about. I, I, I'm still thinking about the weather balloons back in the spring and the one that hovered. I'm in North Carolina, by the way, and uh, Fort Bragg. Uh, well, it's not Fort Bragg anymore, um, but Fort Bragg, Pope Air Force Base, the 82nd Airborne. Uh, one of those Chinese weather balloons hovered for three hours right over Fort Bragg. I've spoken there uh, several times, and so as a North Carolinian, um, we so appreciate our, our military, and at any given moment, there are 50,000 people there at Fort Bragg. But um, look, China, uh, they're serious about their overtures towards America, um, subtle or overtly aggressive. Um, China's a threat. Uh, talk about that. Uh, in, in what ways and how severe, Frank? Well, you're anecdote is a prime example of it, Alex. Um, this is uh, a, an act, arguably, 
of uh, not just um, espionage, uh, but of aggression. Uh, certainly in the in the sort of political warfare space, um, the, they were very, um, I think, uh, directly in our face by having that balloon uh, traipse across the country and spent three hours over the institution formerly known as Fort Bragg. Uh, but it had hovered and done uh, figure eight loops uh, over sensitive facilities, including many of our most important nuclear um, sites for days, eight days, as I recall, before finally went out over the ocean and uh, and was uh, shot down. Sure. But the, the point that was being made by the Chinese is they know they can do that with impunity. And in part, I have to say, Alex, the reason is that the commander in chief of the United States military, happens to be the president of the United States as well, Joe Biden, has been described by one of our colleagues at the Committee on the Present Danger of China, an estimable man who for 20 years uh, as an undercover operative for the Central Intelligence Agency was in the business of recruiting and running agents in a lot of unsavory places for us, for our country, for our safety. And he says in the terms of the tradecraft of intelligence, the lexicon, if you will, the term that would be used to describe Joe Biden is that of a controlled asset of the Chinese Communist Party. Mm. And I think that's oh. not an exaggeration. I think that's yeah, what we what see him do day in day. Well, he made the further point that if somebody doesn't do your bidding reliably, he's not a controlled asset, and he probably isn't going to be an asset for very long. You have to have confidence that he will do what he's told. And in this case, I think the Chinese Communist Party does have that confidence, because if you look, I honestly say every single policy, this may be a slight exaggeration, but I think it's basically the case, every single policy, domestic or foreign, of this government under Joe Biden has had two things in common. One, every one of those policies has been bad for America. Mm -hmm. And I think they have, by and large, if not absolutely in every case, benefited either directly or indirectly the Chinese Communist Party. And you put all that together and it, and it gives rise to this, I'm afraid, conviction on the part of the Chinese. And again, it's not the Chinese people. It is the Chinese Communist Party that misrules them, in fact, brutalizes them, has murdered, by some estimates, 100 million of them, which is the first charge in our book, The Indictment, where we talk about a total of nine charges against these guys that should be prosecuted, them and their friends, by the way, here in the United States, like Joe Biden. You look at all of this and it's hard to conclude that the Chinese would reach any uh, assessment other than they can act with impunity, or at least at an acceptable cost against us. And almost certainly in far more deadly ways than the overflight of a balloon. It was not, in fact, a weather balloon. Of course, it was a surveillance asset. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, it, it was a surveillance asset. And so uh, 
Let me ask you, I know this is totally random out of left field, but um, I've got to ask you this. Did you know William F. Buckley? I did. He was a friend. Yeah. Um, he, he was powerful. And folks, if you're not familiar with Firing Line and William F. Buckley, please go online and watch. Many, many of the old episodes are there. Uh, and uh, William F. Buckley was a brilliant conservative thinker and patriot. Um, this is such, uh, I hope you don't feel like this is an inane question, but I seriously uh, appreciate the way you think. And I mean, um, whenever I have the privilege of conversing with someone like yourself, I, you know, I wonder, like, if, if William F. Buckley were on the scene today, Frank, um, what, what would he be saying? What, addre- what issues would he be addressing today? I think that among them, if not uh, most importantly, it would be these issues of um, the Marxist penetration of our country, uh, this enemy within. Uh, I think that uh, he was very robust uh, in his time about anti-communism. It was a hallmark of uh, National Review, the magazine that he published and ran for many years. I remember my interactions with him were mostly around the time that I worked in the Pentagon for President Reagan and uh, and in the years that after I left. And uh, he was very, very focused on the threat posed by that time, the Soviet Union, which he and Reagan both agreed was the existential threat to freedom of that time. Mm-hmm. And the trouble is, Alex, as we talk about in our book, The Indictment, and as you and I have discussed elsewhere, The Soviet Union in its prime was a piker compared to the threat that the Chinese Communist Party represents to us, in part because of its friends in this country, the elites they have captured that have been helping them. In fact, uh, just uh, this week, the select committee in the House of Representatives that was stood up by the Republicans when they came to power to look at the Chinese Communist Party and the threat that it represents. They've announced that they're going to do an investigation of two of the most important and insidious of those friends, uh, Larry Fink's BlackRock and um, uh, a fund called MSCI, which have together transferred, get this, trillions of dollars to the Chinese Communist Party from American investors, retirement funds, pension plans, uh, mutual funds, exchange traded funds and the like. And most of us don't have any idea that that's what's been done with our money, but the Chinese have benefited enormously. In fact, I was on a program this morning with a marvelous uh, resource, a a colleague of mine at the Committee on the Present Danger of China, Colonel Grant Newsom, United States Marine Corps retired. Um, He said, he lives over in Japan and he's a very serious student of uh, China. And he says, if it had not been for Wall Street, if it had not been for the Larry Finks and the Black Rocks and the MSCIs and their ilk, uh, and I would add, you know, the Sequoia Capitals and uh, the venture funds that have transferred technology as well as money to China, we would not be facing a Chinese military that is poised to go to war with us. We would not be facing a Chinese Communist Party that was 
a mortal threat to us. We would not be facing a Chinese economy uh, that is standing to eat our lunch uh, economically. Yeah. None of this would have happened without the Chinese friends here in the United States. Uh, the book, The Indictment, uh, and folks, I urge you to get this book. Um, you, you probably know this, Frank, but um, on Amazon, of of the reviews of the book, you've got a better than 98% five-star rating. This book is uh, The Indictment, Pros Prosecuting the Chinese Communist Party and Friends for Crimes Against America, China, and the World. What's um, since, since the book was released in, in the spring of this year, I mean, what's generally been the reaction? Well, it's sold well. Uh, that's a good thing. It's just been a bestseller in its category on Amazon of uh, national and international security. Um, I, I think beyond that and the you know five star reviews and so on, the reaction has generally been, uh, thank God that somebody has pulled together this information in a way that's accessible to people. You know, this is, I've compared it, as have others, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, to uh, the Star Trek ultimate villain, the Borg. It's oh, yes. the collective, you know, it's the hive. Yes. It's, it, resistance is futile, as they say. And that's kind of how you take away, you know, this overwhelming sense of uh, of doom at the hands of this monstrous party uh, that, as I say, killed uh, 100 million of its own people. And that doesn't count the 400 million mostly baby girls that they boast of having murdered in the womb. Yes. So this is a regime that has been monstrously horrible to its own people. They won't treat ours any better if they get their hooks into us. Frank, um, give us a top one or two websites of, of your myriad of websites, all of which are great. What are the ones you would most want people to visit? PresentDangerChina.org for the Committee on the Present Danger, China. SecureFreedom.org. It's easier to remember uh, at the Center for Security Policy. And one for our television and radio show here, in fact, on the American Family Network. Uh, Securing America is SecuringAmerica.tv. Well, you're a great American and a valued colleague, and I appreciate your time today. Uh, you've been listening to Frank Gaffney, Alex McFarland here. I will be back in two hours on Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Uh, folks, thanks for listening. Stay bold, stand for truth, pray for America, and may God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.